Everybody got sight of John 6 on, in a book or a tablet? Or a, what did I say, 43? <clears throat> oh, I'll go from 41. So the Jews <clears throat> grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how does he now say, I have come from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give and, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I mean, he's just going for it here, okay? <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, I mean, this is rubbing it in, abides in me and I in him, and as... <laughs> I've lost my place. <laughs> As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in, at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? <clears throat> then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said... This is, what I, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Yay. So, Jesus, the, the whole of John 6 really is about bread. If you had time to read the whole thing, it's pretty long. It starts with the feeding of the 5,000. So there's actual physical bread is multiplied and fish and they all eat. And, and the theme of bread, of some form or other, so the manna in the wilderness comes up. And, and then Jesus preaches this handy little sermonette. Um, a short sermon entitled, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood is the, key, is the Key to Real Life. 
just to kind of round off the chapter. Uh, and it's not really his best-selling message. Uh, he would not be invited to a church growth conference to preach this message. This was a church decreasing message. The followers declined. It says, actually, it's his disciples. So the people who had counted themselves as aligning themselves with Jesus as their teacher and leader, dis- not just the crowds, the disciples, many of them leave him. Right? So if you said you're a dis- in those days, there were rabbis and rabbis had disciples. And they gathered around and they listened to the teaching of the rabbi. They saw Jesus as a teacher. They gathered around him. Now many of those people that had aligned themselves with him left because he preached a stonking sermon that sounded like cannibalism. Come on, munch on my arms and legs and drink goblets of my blood. And then you will have eternal life. That's what they were hearing. And that's actually, I mean, he really rubs it in, doesn't he? He says it several times over that you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's a terrible message. It's terrible at all sorts of levels. Because, like, cannibalism, I mean, for them, cannibalism is bad to us, isn't it? If I stood here one Sunday morning and said, look, the, the new thing that God's downloaded is that we've got to eat one another. And, I, and you knew I was serious. Yeah. This church would disappear pretty quick, wouldn't it? It's like you know, this guy's just come completely off the deep end. And, and, but the ad, I mean, just to add, if there is another level of insult to this, the Jews drank no blood anyway. They didn't eat meat with blood in it. That was forbidden in the law. They, they drained all the blood out and they roasted their meat just to make sure there was little or no blood in it. But he's like, Glug, 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 drink blood. And they're like, ah, get behind us, Satan. That's kind of what they're thinking. I mean, it's a bit British, their response. This is a hard saying. What they're really saying is, this is flipping crazy. He even says, are you offended? He's like, Jesus, you know. You know the rules. You know what you're speaking into. You know the background. You know what you've just said. And the other reason it was difficult or hard teaching, or even from a teacher's perspective, it was bad teaching. It it doesn't say it's metaphorical or not. It doesn't doesn't soften the blow. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't say, well, I don't really mean you've got to eat my arms. Just... I know that's what it sounds like, but that's not really what I'm saying. This, this is metaphorical. It really speaks of feeding on me in all sorts of ways, but you don't have to chomp down on my legs. <laughs> that's the kind of thing we would do. You know, we'd say something really radical, and as people's eyes rolled into the back of their head, and there were st- sharp intakes of breath through teeth, we'd go, I didn't mean, it doesn't actually mean come and machete my limbs and munch on them. No, no, it's, it's metaphorical. It has another kind of, it's just picture language. He doesn't do that. That's, quotes, bad teaching. I wonder saying this is hard teaching. And then, then he says, the, often we quote, you'll hear preachers quote, his words are spirit and life, that verse, Yeah. My words are spirit and life, isn't it? Great. But the context is this. 
The words that are spirit and life are the chomping down on Jesus words. The glugging blood of Jesus words. He's saying these are the words that are spirit and life. And you're like, you've got to be kidding. Cannibalism for Jesus is spirit and life. I mean, this is going to mess with you. Is it not? Oh, it's really not good teaching. You see, Jesus isn't a good teacher by our standards. This is just a little rabbit trail. This is a bit off, off. This is a little bit on the side, just to make it easier as we go through this. Because he doesn't explain, he doesn't unpack, he just leaves this hanging. But he does it all the time. Often less difficult to face than this, but. You see, what Jesus is doing when he teaches, he actually makes you responsible. He's in effect, in our language, he's saying, well, go figure. Yeah, but you're the teacher. You're supposed to break it down, unpack it. You know, you're supposed to install this in our life. We're supposed to sit here and have it all kind of soak into us. So we walk out of here going, hmm, that was a good message. He's saying, that's not how I do this. He's saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Doesn't he use that quite often? And what he's saying is looking for hunger and he's looking for discernment in the hearers. He's looking for us to take responsibility for our own hearing and our own heart and our own responses, not for him to have to do all the work in order for us to go, yeah, that's okay. And loads of his sermons are confusing. And, and it's only because the disciples pressed in often and asked, you know, like the seed and the sower. It's like, great story, but what? You have to read the interpretation that the ones close to him get. Are you, are you following me? So, we, we have a funny view of teaching. Or Jesus has a funny view of teaching, depends on your point of view. But his expectation is that the hearers are responsible to do something with what you said, even if they don't understand it or comprehend it. Uh, and we often push it back onto him or onto the teacher. So it's interesting just even listening to John and Janet, the way God communicated with them. Oh, we didn't know what that meant, but they kept going. Yeah. So you take, God will say things to you, you don't know what it means. That doesn't mean it's not him. He's just expecting you to take responsibility to press in. To, to discern and to learn, because what that does is engage your heart. So, so his downloads are not fast food in that sense. They're not, do you know what I mean? They're not easily digestible concepts often. That, that's enough on that, just to have you think. So have no doubt, Jesus knew what he was saying was culturally and religiously offensive. And he doesn't qualify it, he doesn't soften it, and he doesn't explain it. But Jesus, you're losing people. Yeah. There'll be less people in church next week. The tithes won't be as big. He doesn't really care. That's not why he's on the planet. Verse 66, many disciples turned back. But a few. I don't think they got it either. If Peter didn't say, yeah, we totally get that, Jesus. Yeah, just, just give me an arm. 
here's a knife and a cup, drain some for me. I'm, I'm totally ready for this blood drinking thing you just talked about. We're with you all the way. He didn't do that. He basically says, we're out of options. We already decided to whom shall we, yeah? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, when I've heard that preached on in the past, and I've thought about it, I've often thought, well, the words of eternal life are the words that give me the information that if I believe, then it means I'm going to go to heaven. I'm just sort of boiling down. Is that, can make, is that the kind of thing? So here's, here's, some, here's a message that Jesus communicates. And if you believe it and pray it, then you go to heaven. Those are words of eternal life. I don't think that's what Peter's saying. I think Peter's reflecting or echoing what Jesus has already said about his own words. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And that's weird to us. So Jesus is saying, my words are more than information. My words are not just concepts. They have spirit and life. And, and he, it's in the context, it is spirit, capital S. It's Holy Spirit and life is in Jesus' words. So we tend to separate words from spirit. Jesus is saying word and spirit come together. By speaking, he's communicating Holy Spirit. By speaking, he's communicating life from heaven. And, 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 and Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. But eternal life has no beginning and has no end. Jesus is downloading in his words the life of heaven into the earth. That's what he's saying. Because this life operates simultaneously outside of time and inside of time and is beyond time. That which gives life is eternal, is everlasting, always has been and always will be. And when Jesus speaks, he's downloading some of that into the present. That's what... In effect, Peter's saying, I haven't got a scooby what he just said, but mm, it felt good. Every time you speak, you mess with my brain, but something from heaven, something from the Holy Spirit impacts me and it feeds me. It, it gives me life. It gives me energy. It invigorates me, envisions me. It fills me full of something really good and I'm, I'm hooked, but I haven't got a clue what you just said. So in a sense, Peter is agreeing with Jesus, your words are spirit and life. They're ageless, they're timeless, they're, they're downloading something eternal into me. They're not just, in fact, in this occasion, they're not doing a lot for my brain. What's happening in my brain is like, ah, ah. what's happening in my spirit is, mm, mm. now that is a confusing place for a human to be. When your brain is going, get me out, get me out, get me out. I don't understand, I don't understand. All my religious history, all my culture is saying, kill this man. And on the inside you're going, mmm, but something feels good. I mean, that's, that's tough to manage. So what, what's, what's he saying? Because his theme is, I want to know who the Father's calling 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not recruiting people. The Father is adding people to me. Who's connecting? Who's connecting? Not who's agreeing, who's connecting? See, we've made life, we've made church about who can say all this stuff and who agrees with all this stuff. And actually, what Jesus is looking for is who's connecting? Who's the Father adding? Who's joining? Whose heart's connected? Who can receive the yummy goodness of heaven even if they don't understand it? That's who I'm looking for. That's, I know that is the person and those are the people that the Father has added to me. Who I can freak their brains out but their hearts are still feeding. <clears throat> he's, he's actually doing something here that's really important because he wants them to detect the quality and nature of what the words carry even if they're confused by what they apparently mean. Can we say that again? He wants them to detect the quality and nature of what the words carry. So he said, my words are spirit and life. So words have life. they're, They're living things And they have a spirit on them, in them. And he wants these guys to be able to detect what spirit is being communicated, even if they don't understand the content of the words. Yeah? What spirit is being released? We We use that kind of language. That's what he's saying is, I'm releasing heaven here. I'm releasing Holy Spirit. It may sound like cannibalism, but I'm releasing Holy Spirit. And he's looking for who can hear with their heart, who's feeding, who's connecting. They're not just dismissing because of what happens in their brain. And Peter's saying, I'm getting life from you, but I don't have a clue what it means. Jesus says, that's okay, you pass. You're in. And Peter is connected enough to not want to walk away even when the crowds are leaving. That's a big thing. When we went through our troubled time now years ago here as a church, I actually had people say, who, who left, I said, well, why are you leaving? It was because other people have left. And there is a kind of crowd thing that happens with people is, well, there must be a good reason to leave because other people have, so we'll just join them. And, and, but actually... So enough sufficient connection has happened in heart here and, and, and that, that Peter said, well, I don't care if they all go, we're here because this is amazing. Jesus only left for all the miracles that he did. John later says that the world wouldn't contain the books of the miracles that Jesus did. That's a lot. And then he said he only did what he saw the Father doing. The Father's doing a lot. Some Christians quote that to say, well, the Father's very selective. He's only healing one or two people on the planet right now. (laughs) Now listen, Father is busy, all right? He's healing so many people that one man, Jesus, did so many amazing things, so many miracles, so many healings, that the world could not contain the books that recorded all the events. 
You couldn't have enough meetings to have all the testimonies of the people that were touched and changed by Jesus. But who was still with him at the end, 120 in the upper room? This guy was a tough act to follow. Your leg could grow back out and your eyes could open around him. But then he comes up with the eat my arms message. And you're like, hmm, thanks for the sight, but cheers, bye. Often, Holy Spirit and life from heaven comes wrapped up in what is potentially offensive to us. That's not a justification for any of us to be deliberately offensive. All right, just... That's not the point. It's not, there's not deliberate offense. Let's see how many people I can really hack off today. That's not what he's doing here. You have to make sure that what, what is coming out of you is spirit and life. That's the point. But, but Jesus, Jesus is, is God personified. He's God in, in, a, in a human wrapper. And he... They're offended because Jesus is constantly offending religion. He offends religious mindsets. He offends their earthbound attitudes and he offends their cultural norms all the time. And this is maybe the biggest one. This is just huge. Although I guess claiming to be the Son of God is pretty huge in their context as well. He did some pretty huge things that messed with them. And Jesus is teaching the disciples all the time to detect the Holy Spirit even when they are emotionally and mentally in strange territory. When they're in the realms that confuse and maybe offend them, he's teaching them to detect Holy Spirit. He's teaching them to know that the presence of God is active in this environment, even if it's confusing, people are leaving, it's offensive what's going on, it's religiously confusing, it's culturally confusing. He's teaching them to go, but it's got Holy Spirit all over it. I'm staying. We tend to hang in to things because they go down easy. But that doesn't mean the thing is true. We tend to just, just because it makes sense, is not the primary test. But often it is for us. Because that's the way our culture works. Things have to make sense. We're trained, we grow up with that. We want it to make sense. Are, are, Are you... Just smile at me. Just pretend that you're happy with me still. Just. <laughs> so so it has to make sense to us. We're trained from you know, our mother's milk. It has to make sense. Jesus is saying is that, not, that is not the highest test. I'm not saying things don't make sense. I'm just saying that is not the primary test, the highest test. <clears throat> if it, do you agree with it and does it fit your previous religious assumptions and experience? There's no test either. The test is, is Holy Spirit all over this? Is it spirit and life? Is this coming from heaven? See, that's Jesus' contention is, I came from heaven. And that's why he's so flipping confusing. That's why the New Testament is so different to the Old Testament. Now, just, just don't jump up, all right? 
Just remember the beginning of the sermon. I'm not going to say, come and eat my arms. But I'm going to say something that might make you go, whoa. Just listen. The Old Testament is a message that's come from heaven to men and women who were of the earth. And they received it through earthly mindsets. And God manifests himself. He contextualized himself into their time and space, into their cultural realities. How do I know this? If you look at, for instance, if you look at the plan of an ancient Egyptian temple, it looks exactly like the temple they built, the holy Jewish one. But God filled it with him, with his ways, with his words, with his laws. But that's what, in their world, if you go back those millennia, in their world, that's what you did with religion. You built temples and did stuff in temples. So God gets a temple that's going to be the best temple, and he fills it with his ways. A lady's dying in some Eastern European company. She's, she's on her sickbed. She's heard something somewhere, I think a surgeon knows about Jesus. And she's dying. And then suddenly she's miraculously healed. She comes back to life. The surgeon comes in and said, what happened to you? She said, someone came to me and healed me in a dream. Well, who was that person? Well, it looked like that person in that picture. It was a sort of Catholic picture of Jesus on all. It looked just like him. Does Jesus look like a Catholic picture? The important thing that God poured himself into a shape and an image. He contextualized himself in a way that she knew it was Jesus. Stay in the boat, stay in the boat, don't jump out, okay? Here's an even scarier one, but you've got to hear this. In Galatians, in Galatians 4, 3 to 5, look it up later, Paul equates the law given by God to Moses on a mountain... He aligns it as saying it's just aligned with the basic principles of the world. In other places, he says it's obsolete. In other places, you see Jesus overriding what the law says and not doing it anymore. Because he is a higher revelation. He is pure heaven come to earth. What they were dealing with is reading heaven through earthliness. So all the Bible is inspired. So it was all inspired, but it was people doing it through what they knew. So everybody had laws, God gave them better laws. Everybody had temples, God gave them a better temple. And then in the fullness of time, God sends his own son and says, enough with all that already. Here's heaven pure on earth. This is what I really look like. And as he keeps doing what he really looks like, all the people that invested millennia in what used to happen go, Ah! Ah! It makes no sense. You bring a woman to you. You should stone her. That's what God's law said. You forgive her. We caught her in adultery. You send her away with a few kind words. You should have killed her. That's what the law says. If you say you're from there, you should do this. And he does this. Come on, it's true. No one healed. I found this out the other day from John Davidson. No one got healed of blindness in the Old Covenant. I had a good look. It's not there. Blindness was a curse. That's why when 
they're walking past the blind man in John, and, and, and the disciples say, oh, did this guy, the, the blind man, did he, is he blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? Because it was the fruit of sin. It was a curse. It was one of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 that blindness would come on you because of sin. That was their assumption. That's why when Jesus spat into the mud, you know, the guy that was, was blind and he spat in the mud, if you were blind, people spat on you all the time because you, it was seen that it must be sin in your life or your family and that you were cursed. And so they felt they were agreeing with God by going and spitting on the blind people. When Jesus goes, he's thinking, oh my goodness, here it goes again. But what Jesus does, he redeems the very action that's been cursing him and heals him. Jesus healed blindness. So when he stands in Luke 4 and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he sent me to bring sight to the blind, that's like, what? And then he goes and does it. He touched lepers. His assumption was that his wellness would, would leak out onto their sickness. All of the law is about get those scabby swines out of here and isolate them because if they touch you, you'll get it. So they lived outside the city. They lived in these communities that were completely isolated. Jesus does the polar opposite. He says, no, I I am not going to be infected by you. You're going to be infected by me. His assumption was he was catching, not them. He, Jesus is infectious with life and health. And you could tell when your mind starts starting to change. Someone came up to you a while back and said, oh, they had some real sickness in their house and we offered to go and pray. And they were like, yeah, but don't come, you might catch it. And we were like, yeah, but you might catch some of our health. I thought, I'm starting to get this. This is starting to happen. I'm not scared of your sickness. You should be receiving some of our health. You're like, come on. That's how he was like. But the old, the old Testament is full of this other stuff. Oh, stay away, stay away, you'll be infected. No, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. No one taught women. No one had women disciples. They weren't seen as worthy of being taught. Jesus, it's provable, had women disciples, many. And he, he encouraged them to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching, like all the men disciples did. He was the only rabbi with women who were his disciples. He smashed the cultural norms. He, he, he just did their heads in every day. He forgave adulterers. He walked on water rather than using boats or drowning. <laughs> he, was the, he proclaimed effectively that he was the deliverer of Israel. He's the only one in millennia of history who didn't deliver them with a sword. Of course they expected another Gideon, another David, because that's how God had done it. For millennia, he'd raise up some, some anointed, skilled warrior who would cut down their enemies with a sword. Jesus came and he just raised the dead and healed the sick. Can't you see that's such a shift? But he's saying, this is what heaven is like. This is what Father God is like. I am the full personification, unadulterated, unfiltered by human humanity, by religion, by your culture, and by how you feel. This is what heaven is like. It's like me. All the other stuff is inspired but filtered through you, through earth. 
I am the unfiltered version. Come munch on. Jesus didn't do miracles, he was miracle. He was a reality, an embodiment of a pulsing, burning, powerful, loving, passionate reality who is Father God. He was the embodiment of that pulsing, happening, radiating right there in front of you. And that reality was different to the reality around him. And when his reality met that reality, guess which changed? I'm going for a walk. I don't care if there's water or land, I'm walking. Water lines up to his reality. There's a storm. My reality is peace. Someone died. Jesus rocks up and says to, to, to Mary and Martha, Lazarus' Lazarus's brother, Lazarus' brother? Lazarus' sisters. She says to him, I, I, I know that there'll be a resurrection on the last day, which is true. But Jesus says, but I am the resurrection and the life. You can see it going, it's going to happen then. You're saying, you're not just saying you're going to make it happen. You're saying you are it. What does that, how does that work? Well, it work, what it means is I am, so the resurrection is going to happen, but resurrection is in front of you. You put deadness next to me, it's going to come to life because I am the resurrection and the life. You put sickness next to me and it's going to go because I am health. That's why I touch leprosy and it isn't there anymore because I am the healer. I am full of health. I am heaven's life here on the earth. I am eternal life right in front of you. When I speak, then you hear life because I am life. I am creator God. So when you have bits of you falling off, I speak and they are recreated. And there is no food, food comes because I am provision. Just, just, it's not even difficult for him. It has to line up with who he is. It's not a competition. Well, earthly reality, heaven's reality. And here we have today's boxing match. And it's earth versus heaven. Who is going to win? And in round one, oh, earth is knocked out. That's the end of the contest. <laughs> Sorry you all tuned in. It wasn't worth the fee. <laughs> we should have announced the result before. Earth lost. All right. Now, you're all still in the room, I think. I don't know if your brains are all still in the room, but this is, this is the bit. You've got to get this bit. Jesus' plan was to populate the planet with people like Can we have our video clip? Lucy, have you seen this ship before? Yes, 
It's very Narnian looking, isn't it? Yeah. Well, just another reminder that we're here and not there. There once were two orphans who wasted their time believing in Narnian nursery rhyme. It's so fascinating, that picture anyway. It's hideous. Edmund, it looks like the water's actually moving. What rubbish, see? That's what happens when you read all those fanciful novels and fairy tales. Edmund, the painting! Joshua uh, in um, Dundee prophesied over us that's what's been happening to us as a church. So here we are, earthly people, and light, water, Holy Spirit starts pouring into our room. The goal isn't just that we get wet, that we get sucked through into the reality that it came from. A place where in, you know, in, in that story, you know, animals talk and all sorts of other fun things happen. But, but you know, animals don't talk here, but they do there. Down here, dead people don't rise from the dead. There, there's no death. Jesus is making people who have been so overwhelmed by the presence of the future, the presence of heaven, that they've been sucked through, that that's the reality they're living with. And they now represent that into this reality. So every one of us becomes a picture frame. We start off by looking at the picture and being overwhelmed by the Spirit. The product of that is that we get sucked into this other world. And we're like, Wow. This is so weird. I can see angels. Wow. Wow. Goodness, my body feels like it's floating. As Danny Silk said, I'm in worship and it's hard to keep my skin on. What's happening in this church? What's happening in this in this in this place? I thought we were here for a sermon. And we're singing some songs. And now I'm feeling weird. That's Holy Spirit coming. And people around me are going, (laughs) And then some of them fell on the floor. Some of them laughed a lot. Then the next person went, Make your mind up. Just kind of like, Some of you are standing up. Some of you are falling down. Some of you are crying. Some of you are laughing. But it feels different. Whoa, that's the water coming out of the picture. It's like, what are we doing all this water? Well, we don't know. We just like the water. The presence of another world is breaking in. It's been breaking in on us for quite a while. 
And the new world looks weird if you've spent your whole life in this one. But what this world is aching for is more of that world here. This world needs what we are becoming. So well done, Hope Church. This is just a picture of what's been happening with us. You know, I've been standing up here. Others have stood up here. You've seen things. And it all, so some of you, it sounded like if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. But you're still here. Even if you don't get it, you're still here. That's amazing. That's because life has been poured out, not because we're particularly brilliant at explaining things, but something's been going on that is attractive even if it messes with our head. Yeah, most of you agree with that. That's a good sign. We've had three and a half, four years of craziness. Holy Spirit phenomena. You know, the falling and the da 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 We've had teaching that doesn't make sense to many of you. I remember one week someone came up to me and said, that was a great message. I understood it. They didn't stay. They're not part of the church. They kind of came in and kind of for a while and then came up to me one week. They'd obviously been waiting for the one week they understood so they could encourage me at some point. Um, I'm, I'm cool with that. It's like I feel, I feel affinity with Jesus at those moments. It's sort of like um, <laughs> there have been opportunities to, to be offended. Uh, worship has changed. We do lots of la 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 moments. What's that all about? Oh, you know, for some of us, it's wonderful, and for others of us, it's confusing. So what do we do now? There's no words. Well, wait for some words, and then you wait 10 minutes, and there's still no words. Now, some of you think that's heaven on earth. Some of you think it's weird. But you're still here. So the potential to be offended in the worship, in the preaching, people flopping, people roaring, people crying, people weeping, people not doing anything. Any of that is all okay. But when it's all happening around you, it's easy to kind of feel, this place is not for me. (laughs) We talk about transcendent experiences, trances, visions, prophecies, seeing angels. The angel of a church is in the room. There's angels all around the room. There's angels on you, around you. There's angels flipping everywhere. And you're going, I can't see any. (laughs) Never met one. Not sure I'd know one if I saw one. I mean, this is just so otherworldly, isn't it? It's just like you just, the painting fell on your head and you ended up in a, a place with talking animals. <laughs> we've, we've, we've tried to shift our culture from a teaching pastoral culture to an apostolic one. And I think we've, we've been successful, but it's really tough to do that without all the pastoral teacher types feeling offended. It's like you're now against teaching. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's just not the defining gift of our atmosphere. What do you mean, our atmosphere? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not the defining gift of our culture. Where's culture in the Bible? Where's atmosphere? Where are these words in the Bible? Well, Well, they're there, but not quite like that. I mean, this is hard. Honestly, this is hard. This is eat my flesh, drink my blood moment for some people. La, la, la. Oh, the worship's so wonderful. It's like, oh, 
I was just counting light bulbs that had gone out. When are we going to reach the last one? Are we going to do more of da da da? You know what? We're going to do it all. We're going to teach. We're going to evangelize. We're going to prophesy. Pastor the best we can pastor. But it needs to be when we've all got sucked through the window, sucked, sucked through that picture in heaven, and we're doing heavenly pastoring, heavenly teaching, heavenly evangelism, that we are like Jesus with a manifestation of heaven on the earth. And the reality around us shifts to line up with what that is because it's in us. Is it making sense? So well done. You're still here. Just, just look at somebody and say, you're still here. Well done. <laughs> the slightly weird thing is, more will come. And they won't get it either for a while. So be kind to them, okay? When more come and you now feel like an expert, which is potentially dangerous, but you feel like, yeah, well, well we know about woohoo stuff now. I, I, I never seen an angel. Saw one the other day. Ka-ching. I mean, no. <laughs> No, I'm not saying me. <laughs> no, I'm just saying there are people in this room. It wasn't a personal statement. It was, it was a, an example. Some people got that. That's okay. Um, I'm going to milk this for everything because I'm going to be gone. So here we go. This is <laughs> There's many more angels to see. There's many more sicknesses to heal. There's many, many more lost to be saved. Many more impossibilities to become possible. We are not, we are not experts, but there will be more and more that come that go, wow, we like this, but we don't understand it. Just be kind to them. Don't, don't be an expert. Be kind. Say, no, we didn't get it either. And in fact, if we're really honest, we don't get it all now. <coughs> but we're kind of... We're in, and we're in enough to say, this is eternal life. They may all go, but we're in. We're all in. That's it now. We're in. We're in for heaven to earth. We're in for working this out. We're in for breakthrough. We're in for changing our nation by hosting more of heaven on earth than has ever been seen before. Are you in? I know you're in. Fantastic. Just to be clear, you don't need to eat my leg after the meeting. All right. <laughs> Can we stand up? I don't know what to do. Let's just stand up. It sounds a good idea. <laughs> I'm not a blood donor. All right. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Can we, we should have that ministry. Do we have a ministry team here, don't we? Can we have some people up the front? I'm just, I'm just going to pray, and, uh, and hopefully that will work. So, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the journey we are on. Thank you for the journey you've led us on. It's beautiful. It's intense. It's 
highly confusing at times. <laughs> but we are committed to seeing more of your reality overwhelm our reality, more of heaven come to earth, more of you in this place and in our lives, in our city, in our nation and to the nations. Yeah.